1: This is the Mark Boris Podcast.
0: Uh, good morning. Um, I'm going to introduce to you today Ned Moorfield. Uh, Ned is from GoCatch. Um, GoCatch is uh, out there having a crack at the uh, disruptor Uber. So we've got
2: someone who's going to disrupt the disruptor. Is that how it goes, Ned? That's right, Mark. Yeah, look, we uh, want to provide some uh, competition for people, you know. There's only been one player in the ride-sharing market in Australia for quite a while now, and uh, we think there's a great opportunity in the market for a local player to take Uber on. And... So this is local. This is, this is Australia we're talking about now. Yeah, it is. That's right. Australia and New Zealand is our focus, yeah. and uh, we are 100% Australian-owned company. Uh, we were founded five years ago. I co-founded the business back in 2011, and uh, we started out with uh, facilitating taxi bookings. And then earlier this year, we launched the ride-sharing offering in Sydney, which is people driving their own private vehicles. So, like, is it, this is um, GoCatchers is doing the Uber X. Equivalent. We've now added that in, yeah. So, okay. um, up until the start of this year, uh, you you could only book a taxi. And then uh, there's been uh, states and territories have been legalizing ride sharing across yep. Australia. So, New South Wales announced they were legalizing ride sharing late last year. Uh, so, that was an important uh, catalyst for us to move into that space. So, would like, okay, just take me back a bit. Like, so five years ago, what, six years ago, what were you doing? So, uh, <laughs> you know, I always—it's—it's it's actually uh, quite an interesting story because uh, um, I'd been working in banking and I'd been wanting to start my own technology business, and I reached a point where I realised that uh, it was—it was too all-consuming being in a full-time, intense—you know—quite intense, you know, quite intense um, job in finance and banking. So, I actually I quit and took the time out to just work out which business model I wanted to pursue. And I actually watched a lot of The Apprentice during that period. It was uh, it was my training. Happy to inspire. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, good start. I, I, I convinced myself that uh, it was good training for starting a business, and I think it was as well. And uh, so, and you know, I started studying my MBA uh, at UNSW, and you know, I just had a few projects on the go, and I was going to every um, startup networking event that was on. And at the time, back in two thousand and ten. Actually, the startup community was really starting to flourish after, you know, taking quite a hit after the dot-com bubble burst. So uh, there was a lot of events. I met my co-founder at a networking event. Uh, This was one of a number of um, kind of problems that I was looking to solve, you know, that I thought there was an interesting opportunity and particularly combined with mobile and a transactional business model. And uh, we then went into a business planning competition at UNSW, got some great feedback, won won a small amount of prize money and that got the ball rolling. Was that as part of your MBA? Yeah, so um, the the business planning competition was called Peter Farrell Cup. So Peter Farrell is alumni that chairs uh, ResMed now, and uh, so he put a bit of money into that competition. And so it was it was it wasn't kind of part of the core structure of the MBA program, but it was something that we were encouraged to take part. It's in.
0: funny, I should say to all the listeners, particularly if you're a student. Um, I was looking at uh, the Microsoft Protégé competition that they do every year and they're bloody great competitions yeah. and it's smart because Microsoft uses it to actually p- possibly build marketing campaigns of their own. They're doing one for Lumia at the moment um, yeah. and I was looking at who the semi-finals were the other day, only, only yesterday as a matter of fact. Um, and these, so you're saying that you ended into a competition which was adjunctive to your university course that you were doing at the time which is like five, six years ago and off the back of that you come up with an idea that, now as a business.
2: Yeah, that's it. Brilliant. It was it, it, the, the business competition was a great trigger for us to go out and do the work around validating the idea. You know, um, One important piece was going and looking at what was happening globally. And we saw that there were companies that were attracting a lot of capital for this kind of business model. Um, there was Halo over in the UK, uh, that Branson's a shareholder in and a number of large VCs. Uh, there was um, MyTaxi in Germany that Deutsche Telekom and Daimler had invested in. Was, of course, there was Lyft and Uber in the US. So that, I think, was really important validation that there was a lot of smart money flowing into this model. Uh, the other thing was it forced us to go out and do some market research. We spent, uh, you know, we spent the night at a um, petrol refueling station talking to taxi drivers and really understanding if on their side there was a problem that needed solving as well. So it was a great callus, Yeah.
0: So for anyone who's sort of sitting out there listening to this and they got, they think they've got a bright idea and, uh, you know, and they're passionate about it. And, uh, what's the, what's the very first thing that activated you to, go out and do this. You know, you've done, you've done the end of the competition. You obviously, you know, studied it. You're a student of marketplaces and transport and the
2: app and the technology required. What's the thing that actually made you get off your ass and do it? Well, I think there were two elements. I mean, the first thing was climbing the corporate ladder in a big bank was not something that appealed to me and I'd always wanted to start my own business. The so, hatred of your job. Yeah, I think there's just funny, <laughs> funny... An <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Finding your sweet spot professionally and where you you know what what kind of fits what you want to be doing and definitely running setting up a business from scratch and running a business uh, something that I'd always wanted to do, but I think the other thing was just um identifying a really clear problem and and a great way a great innovative way to solve it with a good business model having all those ingredients combined, you know because up until then I really was throwing around ideas and I think once that that idea came together the business model came together. Then my co-founder and I were like, right, let's run at this full steam. But well, so, do you, what do you remember the day you sort of said, yeah. did, was it one night you were sort of sitting in bed, or one morning you
0: woke up, or one day at lunchtime with your co-founder? Did you just say, "Stuff it, we're going to do it. That's it. Tomorrow, I'm giving away my job. I'm doing this." I mean, is, is that, yeah, is uh, that what happened? Yeah,
2: there was. Uh, there was so people, after, a lot of people. Sorry, sorry, sorry yeah. a
0: lot of people are scared to lose the safety of their job and the income that they're getting, and that transition is quite difficult to make. I mean, obviously you're in a position where you can do that. You know, maybe you're not married, maybe you don't have
2: families, you don't have a lot of that other responsibility. I don't yeah. know, do you? No, I don't. So that made it easier, but my yeah. co-founder did. My co-founder right. had two kids to support and a, and a wife as well. So, you know, that was much more difficult decision for him as well. But uh, you know, So I was think- there a day? Yeah, well, there was... Yeah, there was uh, what actually what happened after we won the business planning competition was um, New South Wales government had put up a funding scheme for early stage businesses like ours, and so we actually um, went through applying for funding under that. And so at that stage we were still juggling full time jobs. Um, so lining up the funding, I think at that stage we were. Believers in the model and the opportunity in the market, uh, but once we secured that grant from the state government, then we were really like, okay, this is great. We've got the money there. How much money are you talking about? So that was two hundred thousand that we secured. Oh, that's pretty um, good. So that, that would that would that would inspire most people, wouldn't it? It's definitely, it's a major hurdle to get over because then you can actually start paying yourself survival money, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, And we actually, we won Tech 23, which is a big tech uh, event here in Sydney, and it was $50,000 prize money. And then we brought on our first round of angel investments soon after as well. So we just started getting a lot of momentum behind the business. And when we were getting up there and pitching and getting great feedback and great validation of the model, it just all kind of fed on itself. But I would say... Securing that bit of funding from New South Wales government would have been a pretty key part of us actually walking away from our uh, full-time jobs. And I
0: often say this people, you know, like I often say this to government, it's all very good for you to set up incubators, et cetera, but, like, these things, <clears> the <throat> people who go into these environments need money. Um, ultimately, what they're hoping for is an investor. Um, and they're not talking about 10 or 20 grand. They're talking about a, a significant investment because, as you say, you've got to pay yourself a few bob to, to get by. You've got to, you've got to live a reasonable life. Um, you don't want to be living. You're not necessarily looking to live rich, but you also need to employ people. You need because you know no one's going to yeah. come in and start coding for you for nothing, That's or it. whatever the case may be. <clears throat> Excuse me, marketing, et cetera. So, probably two hundred thousand dollars is a for a for a business like that you're talking about is a, a reasonable amount of money to kick it off. Yeah, and it sounds like a lot of dough, but it's actually not. It goes pretty quickly. They yeah. go in six months, quite fast. But what that allows you to do, I guess, Ned, is that. Mm. Uh, and I want I want you to take me through the process here, um, because a lot of people again are listening. How does he get that? How did he go through the angel versus? How did he find Paul Bassett? How did you do all this sort of stuff? I mean, did they find you? How did it all work? Did you put yourself on show, like showcase your stuff? And someone like the, see Paul Bassett from Square Peg said, "Look, I want to come talk to you." How did it all work? T- take me through that.
2: Yeah, so uh, there's definitely an important element of his <clears throat> is getting out there and and pitching and presenting what your plans are for the business. And what what we saw was investors will tend to. Uh, follow the progress of the business for a period of time before they invest. So, so did you go through investable? Did you how, did you go through one of those sorts of environments? We didn't actually. We, uh, we did it all, all ourselves. Right. Um, we, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously the accelerator, look, the accelerator programs are great, particularly I think where you've got a technical founding team that need to develop their business skills. I'm a uh, big uh, kind of proponent of uh, accelerators f- for those kind of teams. But for us, we felt we could go out there and raise the money and uh so we went out there and started pitching it so yeah we were getting uh, in front of a lot of different investor audiences another great one in sydney is innovation bay and actually steve baxter who's on the shark tank who's one of our um who's our angel uh, led the angel round of investment he was sitting in the room at innovation bay he'd seen us at a number of other events where we'd um, we'd pitched at. and you know i think for investors to see that you're actually delivering on what you said you would deliver three six months earlier it's pretty important for them before they'll tip money in. So I think that is really important to get out there and and, t- and, and pitch the business. Um, and look on the, the other part with the, the uh, government funding that we receive, and just to go back to your, some of your comments there as well, Mark. The, I, I absolutely believe very early stage businesses is where governments get the best return on their investment. In terms so did they invest or did they land or what was the. It was big, it was a grant. Structure. So it wasn't an investment, a okay. it, was a, it was a straight out grant. Oh, um, so what's their return? So creating jobs, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, for okay. New, so it was, um New South Wales Trade Investment in particular, which is very focused on generating jobs. Is it still around? Uh, it's been renamed. I think it's... it's still around in yeah. some other form, yeah? Yeah, it's, it's still around. But, um, you know, the great thing about that as well is we were able to go out to our angel investors and say that we, we actually had a um, one-and-a-half times multiple on their money because... We had the New South Wales trade investment funding and we also had the federal government R and D tax rebate, which is forty five cents and dollars. That's about you one and a half times. So yeah, for every dollar they put in, we had another dollar fifty of government money. Now, in, Sing- in a spot like Singapore, there's actually much more generous schemes where you get, you know, the, um, you get six times government money on every investment dollar. So, you know, I think it would be fantastic to see more of those schemes for very early stage businesses. Right. Uh, but it's always difficult for governments to try and pick winners. So, you know, the R&D scheme is very good in that way because it's just it's open to everybody. Yep. Uh, but look, the more the, subject to your revenue. Well, yeah, uh, well, anyone it that does cuts out after a certain level of revenue. Yeah, I mean, it's I think it's twenty, 20 million, million. So uh, yeah. don't, I don't think we'll have to hit, worry about that one uh, in the immediate term. Yeah. So going back and the, the funding with New South Wales government, that was about getting out there and partnering up with other large tech companies. And you mentioned Microsoft. Uh, Microsoft's important one. So we were actually. New South Wales government did a great job of this because they they forced us to um, form a consortium with other large tech companies and also an end user group to validate the business model. So we went out and we partnered with Google, Nokia, Microsoft, Research in Motion, or BlackBerry, PayPal. They all kind of, they all came on board because they're all um, they're all supportive of the you know early stage um, ecosystem for startups. And then we signed on the New South Wales Taxi Drivers Association as our end user group, which was quite a challenge. We had to chase them around to sign the paperwork. But, um, yeah, those large corporates like Microsoft actually played a pretty important role in the early stages of us. Okay, so I, I get the funding. So, so uh, we, we, sorry, well, I'm going to ask quickly,
0: where did yeah. SquarePig right. with the last investor?
2: No, uh, that was in our uh, third round of funding. So, so you know, three rounds of funding, right. Yeah, so... Uh, and yeah. everybody's made There's been an uplift in
0: every stage of Absolutely. funding. Okay, yes. So, well, I just want to explain what I mean by that. Um, um, what I, I'm saying here is that every time that Ned and his partners have gone to get more money, Um, there's been an increase in the enterprise value, which means that the people who invested in the previous round don't get diluted as much. In fact, hopefully they uh, stay pound for pound the same or more. Mm. in terms of the total percentage of the value of the business um, in value terms I'm talking about. And that's pretty important. So you keep adding value every six months, a year. So over six years, five years now, did you say five years? Five years now. So yeah. how many rounds you have had over five years? Four four rounds.
2: Four, yeah. four, four We've four raised
0: rounds. eight and a half mil. Over eight and a half. Well, that's not yeah. a lot. Five yeah. mil in the last round. Okay. Yeah. And at what point... Because everyone's always going to be saying a cash flow positive. When are you going to be? When are you going to stop raising money? When are you going to uh, give me a profit or return? Which is ridiculous. But <laughs> but when are you going to do that? Because I know everybody. They come in the last round. They don't want to be diluted. Yeah. I mean, if you can pr- show them value, extra value, then they probably don't worry so much. But. If you can't show them that, they're going to want to know when you're going to be cash flow positive. Is that something you've been encountering?
2: So a lot of our shareholders understand that this is about a getting market share rapidly and, and building volume. Um, so for us, the key metric is the number of bookings that we complete each month. Uh, so that is the most important thing and there's a lot of opportunity to accelerate our rollout across Australia to achieve more traction ahead of any other overseas parties coming in to compete. So we're very focused on that and break-even we see coming much further down the track. Now, look, we could we could get to break-even. We could. So how do you deal with that then when you're talking to your investors about, well,
0: look, I'm not going to break-even you because I'm looking for volume and I'm looking for strategic value, market share. What's the conversation? Let's say I say to you, because involved, I'm involved in tech businesses yep. and I've found a lot of Australian investors, not your fund managers I'm talking about, not your, not your angels and not your square pegs style people, VCs, but once you get beyond that and you get into your fund managers who are investing in your tech business, they want to know about return because they're getting pressure from their the people who invest in their funds mm-hmm. for returns. Um, so let's say I'm now an investor and I'm saying to you, Ned, mate, what's the deal? How do you convince me that strategic value is more important than cash flow positive now?
2: Well, uh so first thing I'd say it's really important that you do get in front of the right type of investor. You know, we've we've definitely spent a lot of time talking to the wrong type of investors that really are focused on where's your profit at, where's you know, where are you at and break even. And you know, we're just we're not that type of business. And I'll underline, they are the yep.
0: wrong investors.
2: Yeah. And anyone who's listening, <laughs> do not go to those people. You need patient capital. Yeah. That's right, and and even better, smart capital It's going to you know um, provide a lot of advice along yep. the way. So I'd say first thing is target the right people, um, and secondly, you know it's about um, it's about presenting the story of where the opportunity is. You know, for us. I mean, it's actually what we've built. We've built a technology platform that competes on Uber um, in in every way, and we've spent $8.5 million. Uber's raised, I think, $3.5 billion and has 3,000 engineers, right? And uh, we've got Grab up in Southeast Asia. It's raised $850 million. We've got Ola in India. It's raised $1.3 billion. Um, we've got Didi in China, which is now 10 times the size of Uber, that's raised, I think, in the vicinity of $1.5 billion. So... The thing is, there's a lot of smart money overseas that absolutely understands that it's a, it's a land grab to a degree and it's um, about getting volume. And so yeah, that is one of the challenges we've got in Australia. Is the pool of those type of investors is not very large, limited.
1: Tell tell us about how you compete, because Uber does have a lot of land here in Australia. We've got over a million riders. I'm pretty close with the Uber guys. We did Uber pitch and yep. talked to Henry. You know, my you know every second every week or every second week, um, they're telling us about all the goals that they're kicking. Out. What's your point of difference? How Are you competing with the 800 pound gorilla in the room?
2: So it's, so the first thing I get that question a lot, of course. And um, the first thing as I would say is I don't think that we are necessarily competing direct... We're not trying to... It doesn't... we not, not trying a situa- to a share from them. Yeah, it's not a situation of where they lose, we win, where we win, they lose. It's um, the... Is, right- is it not
1: that though? Because like, when I pick up my, my phone to call a ride, whether it's a taxi, uh, a, a ride-sharing private car, a hire car, whatever certain people I think of. I guess aren't you sort of in that space?
2: So there's a, there's an element to it, but um, but what I would say is that the rideshare market is still in its infancy yeah. and it has a long way to expand. So we are still joining um, the market at a, really, a relatively early stage. Yeah. Um, so I think there will be a case that, like, at the, you know, since we launched, I mean, Uber's running their race, we're running our race, and as long as we keep executing well, we will continue to grow well. So that's what I'm focused on. But in terms of how do we differentiate in the, yeah. in the minds of passengers or consumers, well, the first thing is we don't have surge pricing, which is something that we know uh, is really an Achilles' heel for Uber. A lot of people are really isn't, unhappy. Isn't the surge
1: pricing, though, a mechanism to like, so that you can get a, a car when you need it? That, that's, like, what,
2: that's what Uber will tell you. Yeah. Um, we, we don't believe so. We, we believe that it's um, largely around um, profiteering by sure. Uber. There
1: needs to be some mechanism, though, where I can like come over the top of someone else that wants a ride, where, where I really want one myself. You know, like you know, if it's if it's you know pissing down rain, and I and you know I, you can pay the standard fare or you, and and wait or you can have for your, your car to yeah. come up, or you so, can pay more and get one straight away. I mean, that's that's the mechanism that I'd want. Two o'clock in the yeah. morning, walking yeah. down the road to Kings Cross,
0: <laughs> Nick, you're desperate to get home, and. Uh, you could walk home from here, by the way. But you're desperate to get home. You know, yeah, I was going to say. The point is, I'll pay anything to get right. home.
2: Yeah, that's that's your point. So yeah, we have that we have that feature. So you can um, you can offer an incentive to the driver at okay. start, but it's optional, right? You know, you're not, yeah. not going to get burned. Can everyone see
0: vehicle.
2: it? Uh, the, the incentive bid. F- yeah, all the drivers. Okay. No, 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 no. Anyone uh, else
1: waiting on line? line. No, that, is, can't. And is that standardized? Can I dial that up to whatever I want to to be the, the you know the the most demanding customer on the platform? Well, I think
2: we've got a maximum of fifty dollars, uh, Nick. But maybe uh, right. uh, maybe we need to up it for a high roller such as yourself. <laughs> 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 Look, fifty dollars to see Nick out. Let me tell you, he hasn't no, got much money
0: left. <laughs> I unless he's got my credit card. <laughs>
1: I could maybe offer five. Would that get me? A, would that be enough of an incentive to come? Well, to it out? depends how heavy the rain is. I think. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, so, uh, so can I?
0: Can I? Because um, um, we 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 want to talk to Seema as well. So and and I'm, I'm trying to share this up. So I, I want to ask you something really important. Uh, for, you know, listeners are always listening. To this um, just ex- we often talk about the prevalence of the concept of well. There's two things that are happening today: is technology advances, just technol technological innovation, which on its own can be a great thing. That's more around the science type of thing. which is why I want to talk to J and Jay about that. But there is this concept of marketplaces, the, the predominance of new marketplaces, people who provide the in-between, the go-between, the thing that you're, which GoCatch is doing, the thing that sits in the middle between demand and supply side. Mm-hmm. Um, can you explain how you uh, decided, how Ned decided one day that these marketplaces are something worth pursuing? In other words, get in the middle between the supply and demand
2: side. Yeah, well, I think that comes down to looking at where the, some of the largest success... I mean, the, the largest, the most valuable tech companies in Australia are two-sided marketplaces, um, Seek, REA, car sales as well. Uh, you know, they're massively... Just explain players. what you mean by two-sided marketplaces. So, uh, yeah, I mean, so, you know, like Everyone's listening to this. Like we've got all sorts of people listening to this. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think you described it quite well, Mark. So, it's, uh, you know, you've got a supply and a demand side. For us, the supply side is the driver in their vehicle. Of any type. Any driver. Uh, So they have to – there's a lot of vetting that goes on. No, but I
0: mean – what I mean by that is not just high cars or taxis, but individuals, private drivers too. So anyone with a car who wants to earn a quid, who qualifies? That's right. That's that's the supply side.
2: Yeah, once they go through – once we um, vet them and do a national police check, et cetera – uh, so that, that's on our supply side, and then the demand side is the passengers. Now, the thing that's really exciting about two-sided marketplaces is as you build up um, volume on both sides, um, you build up a barrier to entry for any competitor. And um, there's a and there's huge um, there's a network effect. Every extra person you add on to that marketplace um, exponentially makes the value to every other participant in that marketplace. Um, it increases the value of participating okay. in that marketplace. And
0: where does technology fit into marketplace-style businesses like yours?
2: Well, I mean, they're they're excellent for facilitating marketplaces. So, uh, well, I guess you know, if you looked at, you know, classifieds was uh, an old world um, kind of two sided marketplace, but the newspapers kind of dominated it. But they've facil- facilitated it. Now we've got, um, you know, we've got eBay and Gumtree that are, um, that make it a lot more efficient and easier for everyone to access. One of the things I think that technology handles really well around marketplaces is rating systems mm-hmm. um, and building trust on two sides of the market. And so fast access. Fast access, seamless payments.
0: Yep, uh, payments makes- access. You know the whole the whole experience. Yeah. So that's where technology fits into it all. Yeah, that's right. And, and yep. how important, you know, because I, I think you know your someone's been through this, and everyone wants to listen to what someone else has done. How important is on the demand side building up your reputation, which was Nick Boris's question earlier or point earlier. You've got to differentiate yourself or provide some sort of branding about what GoCatch is to the demand side. Then on yep. the supply side, you, you go and employ someone who goes out and knocks on everybody's door and says, would you like to join us?
2: Yeah, that's right. Let's so, get on the
0: demand side first. Yeah,
2: so the demand side is what will drive the growth of the business. The, we, we believe the supply side, will um, the drivers will come on board as we bring in more you work. You build without to. follow. Yeah, so so it is very much demand-led. So, yeah, I mean, the, how we differentiate from competitors is important. Um, there's a few other ones that I'll list as well. I mean, we we actually have lower pricing. We We have a peak and off-peak structure, so we give people a lot more certainty around what they'll pay. We're 100% Australian-owned. Um, we also have. But a how do you tell everybody? How, how, yeah, how well, do you make the awareness? So p- media coverage and PR has been really powerful for mm-hmm. us. We've had great coverage since we launched uh, and we did a, some follow-up media as how well. How important
0: is getting James Packer's name into um, the program, even though he's not a direct investment, he goes, but he does go through um, Square Peg. I mean, that's bigger.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, that's got a lot of people's attention. That's how I knew about you. Yeah, so
1: that's an investor thing, though. Like, I mean, what about a consumer? Like, you yeah, know, a consumer seat too, Nick. So, yeah, I mean, I, I use the packer mm, yeah, name yeah. in a wizard. They, they don't right? care.
2: They don't care. Though.
0: They don't care. Mate, the consumer—that's <laughs> bullshit. Actually, the <laughs> consumers yeah. knew when 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 Kerry not, came in a wizard.
2: So, not so much the old. They want the ve- works, they want the, it they works, want the value. It works, message, though. Nick. Though. Shut up. Works. It's it's actually. I have to agree with Mark because there you go. See. Of course he crazy with you. He's saying, you're, you're,
1: you're, you're, you're proponent. His...
2: <laughs> <laughs> Going to be nice to the host. No, no. fifth round. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I'll have to hit you up. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, the, what, soon after we launched the ride-sharing offering, it was around St. Patrick's Day, and yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I went out with a bunch of our street marketing team we went out handing out first first ride vouchers to people in pubs. It was actually difficult because everyone was smashed by the time the night went on, so uh, they weren't able to converse much. But um, it was funny how many people said, "Oh, is that the business that Packer invested in?" So yeah, yeah. Um, it does. People do see I'll the love. media and yeah. So most I mean, it was, punters I'm don't like even that. That.
1: like don't even give a. They don't care, you know. Like you know they're like, they're pun- sure the that, punters. You and I care. Nick Fordham. Where's Nick Fordham? <laughs> uh, okay, Nick Fordham is. Nick's what you not
0: reckon? a punter. Come on, he's the highest. No, no, but no, but in no, I'm not punters. Room. But Nick. Anyway, we'll get. We'll move on. Yeah. So, what do you do on the supply side? How do you get to the suppliers?
2: So yeah, we've learned a lot over the five years of how to spend marketing dollars efficiently, right? And yeah. so one of the things that I I'm a big fan of is distributing first ride credits, um, because that is a bit of marketing spend where we only incur the spend if someone signs up, books a car, pays for the car, mm. and so we've got a fully onboarded customer for that money for that spend. So we we get those first ride. Um, vouchers out far and wide I and mean, we have physical cards that we hand out at major events you know after ranwick races we had um, marketing staff there handing them out but also via partners so sponsoring events and getting um, first ride credits we're sponsoring an event this weekend 600 people at the Houghton Hotel and we will get their first ride credits out far and wide so that's that's one highly preferred um, form of marketing um, partnerships are really important I mentioned before we've partnered up with Qantas Frequent Flyer uh, and so they were able to uh, email out to the 5 million Qantas Frequent Flyer members and- and we are negotiating with them to apply points to rideshare trips as well. So there'll be another follow-up announcement. You're partnering
1: on that. with the corporates as well, like trying to get them to use that as a preferred... like you know, if they're setting yeah. up corporate accounts, it's with GoCatch. Well, and doing it's yeah, with Westfield now, for example.
2: Yeah. yeah. So Westfield's another partnership. Uh, yeah. So and we're, we're, that's in progress, but we're hoping to announce something soon on that. I'm sorry, I just announced it. <laughs>
0: <one>. <laughs> <laughs> we
2: love a scoop yeah. <laughs> on the Mark yeah. So yeah, yeah, so we've got a few few partnerships like that, but also we do have a um, corporate account solution, business solution. So. Yeah, um, we've got the uh, delivery guys uh, using, are all signed up and using us for all of their staff travel. It's an interesting story because Uber launched Uber Eats in Melbourne, so deliveries decided, well, we're not going to use a, com- uh, a competitor. Yeah, sure. So they came over to us, yeah. and uh, they're, they're actually really heavy users of the product. So they've linked all their staff back to one single payment account. So it's another way that we can attract a lot of business. Ned, so nice. onto the platform. what are you reckon the business worth today? Well, uh, we uh, years. we achieved a valuation of 20 mil at the last funding round 18 months ago. Before we were in right What room. about you today, though? Well, I think it's I think it's got to be at least 40 50% higher than where we were at the last a, round. Brilliant. i I'm gonna put yeah. out I'm <laughs> gonna put out <laughs> a valuation <laughs> about 30 mil. I think yeah. personally, but uh, you know the Well, if you want 30, done. tell them it's 50. You're
0: made well <laughs> done. That's over five years. That's brilliant. I mean, I, I really I really like the whole concept. I mean, I think it, as as you say, there's plenty of room for a second player. Might not be a third and fourth, but there's plenty of, and that comes down to first and best rest as the second player. Um, good luck, and uh, I say to everybody uh, go, get, uh, go catch. That's
2: it.
1: Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. This has been the Mark Boris podcast. You can follow Mark on Twitter at Mark Boris and find out more at markboris.com.au. Support comes from ServiceNow.